Okay. Well, today is Thursday, August 4th of 2016, and this is the Fiction Old and New Book Group. And tonight we're discussing um, Time and Again by Jack Finney. So I'm just going to give you a little information about, about him. Um, Jack Finney was born in 1911 in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, with the given name of John Finney. After his father died when he was three years old, he was renamed Walter Braden Finney in honor of his father. Um, however, he was known as Jack Finney throughout his life. Jack Finney attended Knox College in Galesburg, Illinois, and graduated in 1934. He married his wife, Marguerite, and they had two children. They moved to New York City, and Jack worked for an advertising agency. He started publishing stories in popular magazines such as Collier's, The Saturday Evening Post, and McCall's. One of his stories, The Widow's Walk, won a contest from Ellery Queen's Mystery Magazine in 1946. In the early 1950s, Jack and his family moved to California. His first novel, Five Against the House, was published in 1954. In 1955, he published The Body Snatchers, which was made into a 1956 movie. Several of his later books were also made into movies, including Good Neighbor Sam, starring Jack Lemmon, and Assault on a Queen, starring Frank Sinatra. In 1970, Jack Finney published Time and Again, and 25 years later, in 1995, shortly before his death, he published a sequel called From Time to Time. In 1987, he was awarded the World Fantasy Award for Life Achievement at the World Fantasy Convention in Nashville, Tennessee. And he died on November 17, 1995, in Mill Valley, California. So, um, of course, Sherry and I want to see what everybody thought of the book. And one thing that I wondered is... Did you feel that this was a science fiction book? Did you feel it was a historical romance book? Um, I wasn't really sure exactly how you would categorize this book. Um, there was that interesting sort of twig in the river theory, which I thought was kind of sci-fi-ish. Um, but, of course, there was a lot of historical elements as well. So why don't, why don't we see what everybody thought of the book? I'll say just briefly, because I don't want to keep the mic too long. It could be historic fantasy because it sort of has those fantasy elements. He sort of thinks himself back in time. Science fiction usually isn't going back in time, so it's it's a little bit slippery there. It has historic fiction elements, and it has sort of science fiction elements. I don't think you could say it's just one genre. It's one of those hybrids at a time when that wasn't very widely done. I mean, now we have science fiction mysteries, and we have... Um, historic fantasies and you know we have romantic thrillers i of course like the book a lot um i was wondering what you guys thought of the end i i thought it was just an incredible ending where he prevented danziger's um forebearer and his wife from meeting so therefore the time travel thing would never have happened and um so the repercussions of that uh, you know, who knows, but apparently he'll be stuck back in New York in the 1800s forever, which is fine with him. That's what he wants anyway. But I thought that was a really clever twist at the end. Remember H.G. Wells' Time Machine? It was a science fiction story, but I, I liked the book a lot, and I read it years ago. Well, I, I really liked the book a lot, um, but I just... Um, I just read Time and Chance um, uh, by Brenner, who wrote Palisades Park. And and then I read the, uh, Time and Again, and I got so confused. But I loved the way he wrote about New York, 1882. I just, I wanted to be there with him. I thought he did, did a great job. Um he did a lot of research, obviously, and um, I could understand why, he, why he'd want to stay back there. I would have, too. Yes, there were a lot of things that we would have had to learn and we would have had to do without, but I just think New York at that time was a very charming place to be, and, of course, Every time has its good and bad things, but 
just imagine, as blind people, we could go out in horse and buggies and carriages, and the horse would know where to go if we told them. Yeah, I, I agree with David. Th this one's kind of hard to... Uh, this doesn't really lend itself to any one particular genre because it's, it's got elements of... Of, of of two or three, and uh, I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought he did a uh, did a did a really good job with it. Uh, I liked it best after he got into the uh, after he met, and I, I finished it a few weeks and a few books ago. So I'm gonna I'm gonna remember some names incorrectly, but after he met the woman back back in time, uh, I, I thought it was a little slow getting to that point but uh, but after it got there I, I thought man it really, it really moves along well and I can see I, I've heard an interview of Stephen King before where he says it's uh, like one of his favorite time time well it was at the end of 112263 uh, where he talked about time and again so uh, uh, I, I really enjoyed it and thanks for refreshing my memory sure I'd forgotten how it ended so uh yeah, that, that that was kind of a a nice twist, and uh, I like that he went back in time to stay with uh, what's her name, Julia? Maybe I don't know. Maybe remember that wrong, but uh, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. It, it was good because uh, it it didn't get too. Uh, it had the fantasy angle to it, but it didn't get too caught up in all that, and it it, it was a good historical uh, fiction too, kind of uh, and, and and romance. And uh, I really liked the fact that it talked about the Statue of Liberty. Uh, the arm there back back in eight, uh, 1882. I thought that was kind of cool, and uh, he did a good job with the uh, the fire scene. I thought it was very very well done and suspenseful. So, yeah, I enjoyed it. So thanks for thanks for suggesting this one. Yeah, that was really interesting to me about the Statue of Liberty that the arm that they saw the arm. <laughs> it, I I was not aware that that I always thought it was just in the harbor. I didn't realize that it was such a controversy till they. Um, actually decided where, where to put it. Um, the building that uh, they kind of centered in, the Dakota uh, building, is, is a really interesting building compared to all the other buildings that are nearby. It, it looks very, very different. The other buildings are kind of brick buildings, and the Dakota just has a really... Um, it has a very historical look to it, um, and the other part of the city that they mentioned by Gramercy Park is kind of the same thing. Those little sections of New York City, if you just right there, you do kind of feel like you're back, you know, in the 1880s, um, as opposed to the rest of the, the area, which looks a, a lot more modern. Um, so I looked up just for fun to see who's actually lived in the Dakota, because a lot of famous people have, have lived there, including, of course, John Lennon and Yoko Ono, but also uh, Lauren Bacall, Lillian Gish, John Madden, Julie Garland, Roberta Flack, Boris Karloff, Joe Namath, and Gilda Radner. So that was kind of interesting to me. And I did like all the historical touches about, um, you know, the, the way they traveled by horse and buggy and how the streets were not all, uh, you know, full of shops. And it was just, you know, it was, it was much more... Uh, not rural, but you know, just not not as not as built up. The other thing I had to look up because they kept mentioning it was Charles Gateau. I'm like, who's Charles Gateau? But apparently, he's the person who assassinated President James Garfield. Um, and I, I, the romances were. I, I wasn't sure how I felt about the romances. There was his relationship with Kate, and then at the end of the story they kind of both acknowledged that the relationship didn't work out. So she was like at the beginning of the book and the end of the book. And then, of course, he met Julia, and Julia was involved with Jake or Pickering. And I, I kind of, and Simon wasn't really happy about Jake or Pickering, but Julia kind of looked at it in a practical way, and she said, well, he's a substantial man, and, you know, uh, he could give me a nice life and everything like that. So I, I don't know, maybe it was a little bit different time the way that, that people looked at relationships and everything. But it was, overall, I mean, I like the narrator. I, I like the way the story was read. I, I kind of felt like he was really Simon Morley, um, the, the narrator. And um, overall, it was it was pretty good. The, other, the only thing that I, I, I agree with what Alan was saying, the beginning, like the first hour and a half, two hours, I, I really didn't like the book at all. I was like, and then when it got to the historical part, it, for me, it became much more interesting. Well, well, I like the book. 
I really did. I could have read it probably in one setting. Like I said, Michelle, I think I emailed you. Um, I actually, I actually had to pace myself because if I didn't, I wouldn't remember. Although I probably would have remembered, but I really did like it. Um, I read it on Audible, and the narrator was actually good on that too. Um, I agree with Alan and Dave. It's hard to. <clears throat> this was one of those many genre books, uh, historical, um, little fantasy. Um, I think I liked the descriptions. He really did a good job describing things very, very well. Um, the clothes, the, you know, I actually, I actually like stories that are told in the first person that I view, if you will. And I just, I really, really like the book. I wanted to second your thoughts about the historic sense of place. That was amazing. I, too, like first person. The trend now is to do first person present tense as though they're sort of thinking out loud. That takes a little getting used to. I wanted to add that I often feel a bit cheated by time travel books because of the paradoxical elements in them, but I am somehow drawn to them anyway in spite of myself and still read them and find that they are interesting. And I also agree the book is a bit slow to start. That I don't like in a book, but I knew I enjoyed that book. Nowadays, I have so many books to read, they'd better start fast. Yeah, I have to agree with, with Leela, too. I, I thought the description was great. I felt like I was uh, in 1882 New York walking around with him. He, he really did a good job of setting the scene and stuff and uh, and describing you know those buggy rides and those those little I don't remember what they called the little taxi services, the little train-like little things, it, it seemed like. And, uh, uh, it, it, yeah, and the description of the clothing and everything and, and the colors and stuff, uh, I thought that was that was very, very well done. And it's uh, – it, it, I, I like the way they they presented that when they were they were getting, re- getting him ready for her journey back because they were showing him all the old clothes and stuff, and they said, look – they're not going to look like this. I mean, they had done up the, the mock versions of them uh, because I think we uh, uh, folks that, that can see still, they, they go around and they go to museums and they see all these old outfits and stuff. I mean, they're old and, and they've like faded and the color's gone and stuff like that. And But it's uh, it, it wasn't really like that when you were there in person in time. So uh, uh, he really did a good job of bringing those elements together, I thought, in the story. Alan, I'll just take a minute. Weren't they called traction cars? The the drivers had to um, deal with the cold. The, they could be callous back then. The fire scene with people jumping and dying was sad, too. I thought that fire scene was incredibly well written. Um, I agree with you all that the city was described. The city was really a character. And I think Michelle told me that in the actual book they had a lot of photographs, and I kind of got that impression from reading it that there might have been a lot of old photographs in it. And if one could see those, I bet that really added to the story. Um, I was wondering what you guys all thought about the fire. I I was thinking that when he was, like, tearing the, all those papers up and burning them, one, you know, one by one, it just seemed, I don't know, it, it seemed like he could have thought of a better way to do that um, so that it wouldn't have started a fire. But that was a pretty harrowing scene. Yeah, that definitely was. Um, Another thing that I remember from the story was where he was describing how food tastes because they didn't use preservative pesticides and he was eating like mutton and potatoes and vegetables and things like that. And I think that that really makes sense because if you ever go to some place that's near where there's farms and you eat food at local restaurants, the food is just so much better than what I usually eat. It's just so much fresher. So I can see that, you know, even at that time, I, maybe there wasn't as much variety of food, but probably what there was was, was really good. Um, one of the parts of the story, I guess it, it probably fits in with the 1970 publication, was where they kept hypnotizing Simon and... Um, that after a while kind of grated on my nerves because it just seemed like kind of like a sort of a technique that you would just do but I I don't know I guess I'm not such a big believer in hypnosis or self-hypnosis I know some people 
use it helps self hypnosis to help them go to sleep and stuff. But I, I don't know. I, I didn't really like that that element in the story. Well, the book implied that you know. Well, at one point, you know, of course, Jake was impersonating Andrew. I think his name was. And I wondered why they seemed to think that Jake would leave them alone and why Cy didn't really take Jake more seriously as a villain. He seemed to just kind of laugh him off like he wasn't really that dangerous when, in fact, I would say he was awfully dangerous to both of them and would continue to be so. Yeah, that's so interesting. I know that you had mentioned that to me before, and I just didn't see it that way when I when I was listening to the story. I just thought that he liked... Um, uh, what was her name, Julia, and that Julia, you know, just ended up not being with him anymore. But I didn't really take him as, as dangerous, I guess, as you did. I, I don't know. What did you, the rest of you think? Did you see him as a, a dangerous person or just sort of, you know, somebody who wasn't a particularly nice person? I, I actually, actually saw him as dangerous only because of what he did to... Andrew Carmody, and what an interesting twist. Um, I mean, I didn't, you know, sometimes you can read books, and, you know, books like this, like really light books, which I, I, like I said, I really liked it, so I'm not complaining when I say this, but kind of light books like this, um, you can kind of predict what's going to happen. I did not predict that twist with Andrew Carmody and Jake Pickering. Um, that was good. That was really good. And then his wife, um, you know, kind of going along with it. Um, that was uh, interesting. I do think he was dangerous, though, especially because, like I said, look what he did to Carmody. And then when they were in the fire, when Carmody had started the fire, Jake basically killed him and got out. Unless I missed something. Yeah, uh, I, I don't know if he struck me as being dangerous so much, but I, you know, I always you, you never know people that he was obviously his character w- w- was very very flawed, and uh, I, I don't I don't put anything past people that that are like totally self absorbed and uh, are interested in in. I mean, he was interested in money, apparently, and and position and power and stuff. And uh, uh, and when they don't really seem to have much character, so they're willing to do whatever they have to do to uh, obtain whatever they want, then then the sky's the limit. They'll they'll do whatever. So yeah, I guess that does make them dangerous. So uh, 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 he didn't really seem to have much of a conscience, and he, uh, yeah, and that that little that little handshake battle, you know, when, when he shook hands and they were they were they were trying to, he was trying to uh, uh, squeeze Sai's hand off. Apparently, uh, I mean, you, you knew right off from the beginning that this guy was no good, and. Uh, 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 and I, I don't know. I, I mean, Andrew ended up dying in the fire, but I don't know if uh, Jake killed him or if, if he just didn't get out or, or, or what happened. Cause they kind of left that up to our imagination. But uh, that that scene was terrifying with the fire because I thought, God, what kind of idiot like sets all these papers on fire in this building? And, and they were tearing the place up. So it, it was... Uh, it was horrible. So, uh, a very, a very well written scene, though. Like Sherry said, I have to agree. Well, this is a book I've I've liked since twenty five years ago, and I thought, well, I don't need to read this. I remember it, but I started reading it again, and guess what? I don't remember very much, and I didn't finish the book. But yes, Jake was very dangerous for for the very very reason that he had no scruples. He would do anything to get his ends. And I do think he killed Andrew before the fire started. I think the fire was meant to cover up the the um, the uh, crime. And um, I love Jack Finney. Yeah, I kind of thought he killed him too because I thought he had to like um, I don't know if he took his wallet or changed clothes with I, I don't I guess he wouldn't have had time to change clothes with him. He had to do something to decide to impersonate him. 
Well, listening to all of you, I, I think you're, you're talking me into believing that he is he is more dangerous. Maybe I just wasn't. I don't. I didn't find him so interesting a character. Maybe I just wasn't paying enough attention to him. Um, I think probably besides the historical things, the thing that I found so interesting was this whole twig in the river theory. I I, I know I've I've heard about it in in many other places. It's sort of a small change. You know, if you have a small change that. Um, it affects everything going into the future. And I, I, they talked a little bit about in the story how you should go back in time, but you should not affect anything. You should not interact with anybody. And that just made absolutely no sense to me. I couldn't imagine how you could go back into time and not affect anything. So um, I thought that was like a, maybe a little short-sighted, you know, to think that, that you know, that that kind of thing and the other thing i guess i was just wondering is does the idea of time travel appeal to you personally and if you went back in time or in forward in time would you want to witness like an episode of historical importance or maybe witness something that happens in your your family's lives or you know what do you think about that that whole idea yeah it seems like most time travel books and i love time travel books um that's always what you're dealing with is people accidentally changing stuff and things like that. Of course, in this book, at the end, he deliberately changed something such that the program never existed. Um, what too, in, in terms of what Michelle was talking about, what would you like to do? I, I found myself wondering if it would be a bigger adjustment to go to the past or a bigger adjustment to go to the future and the unknown. Because um, either way, you're going to have to adjust to a lot of cultural differences. I think I'd be more comfortable going back because the future is happening so rapidly that uh, 10 years from now is going to be totally different from what things are now. Um, but I would I love time travel books. I, I really, that is something that just fascinates me. And yes, I would love to do it. Yeah, uh, I've always loved time travel books and stories too. And uh I would definitely, if I had the opportunity, w- would go back in time because, I mean, think about it. You, you, you're in a position of power going back in time because you, you've got the knowledge from the future that you take back with you, and uh, uh, that that could just be invaluable. Uh, so uh, that that would be the way I, the way I would go. But uh, I, I I get amused because you come up all these things that 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 folks that uh that talk about these things argue about like like the the, the twig in the river and this and that and the other i mean let's let's face it you're you're discussing stuff that can't ever happen unless i've missed out on the science somewhere that uh, uh well yeah obviously if if you go back in time and change something you know things are going to be different because uh, it doesn't take i mean just a, a, a sentence unsaid, maybe within a relationship, could change a, a lot of stuff. So, uh, uh, but, but yeah, unfortunately, we're never going to get the. Uh, well, I, I guess I won't say never, but uh, uh, I, I get amused when we dis- discuss uh, uh, what would happen and, and you know how it would affect the future, since uh, nobody's ever gone back that, that I know of. But uh, it does make for some interesting reading. First, first of all, of all, yes, yes, I would love to go back in time, but what I would like to do is be more of an observer, kind of like he was at the first part. And what I would like to do is I'd like to go to Israel, you know, back in in biblical biblical times. Saying that three times, and I'd love to see just the crowds and the. Not the crucifixion. I don't want to see that. Uh, I would love to see the birth, like around the birth of, of Jesus. I would love to see just the crowds, just the history, just the the feel of things, you know. And then I also wanted to say um, it was interesting to me when they were saying, because he had to... Um, say all these names and stuff like that every time he came back from time travel it was interesting to me that that one guy they didn't go into detail but that one guy basically lost his best friend and they don't know how he did it remember that one guy he had a school friend or something and um, he came back and 
he remembered him, but nobody else did, and his friend kind of was not even in existence. So that was that was weird because they didn't really go into detail. I don't think. I, I that's where I think the uh, the paradoxes you get with the time travel, the uh, parallel universe at least has a little more plausibility, where you could actually be side by side and know that that other event happened. I read a few series of it. But um, I've read a few stories also, you know, where uh, time, you, you know, f- uh, time dilation with going fa- faster than the speed of light, and you end up in the future or, uh, you know, so totally, when you come back, it's 100 years has passed, and uh, you're, you're in a totally alien environment, and there, that, that could be pretty awful. I really would like to go probably 18th century. Um, I'd like to to be around for the starting of America. The, the American history fascinates me, and I'd like to know more. But I do not like, cannot read, will not read alternate histories. That just drives me wild. That is, of course, time travel in a way. But it's it's uh, it just doesn't do it. Oh, and I love those. <coughs> They're so clever to see a world where maybe dirigibles never were replaced by airplanes, or where maybe America and Great Britain resolved their issues, and we were part of the Great British Empire that might still be going on now, or <coughs> where maybe the Byzantine Empire was never taken over by the Ottomans. And if you want to know, I'd love to visit the world. Oh, I would say, starting in maybe 1889, to take in the, uh, the the big World's Fair where the Eiffel Tower was built, then you can visit the Chicago one in 1893, see how people lived as modernity was changing everything. You still had the old stuff, because in the cities, the new stuff, electricity was starting to come in. The big fancy Library of Congress Jefferson Building was being built. Um, we had phonograph technology that was very primitive. There were still newspapers. I wanted to be a little more modern than the 18th century, where I think I could still <coughs> manage. <coughs> I wonder what blind people did from about 1890 to 1915. Uh, did, did any of them dream of working? Did your family have to do everything for you? I don't know much about blind people before, like the 1950s when things were changing. Well, I hadn't thought about what Alan said about the power dynamic. Obviously, if you go back in the past versus the future, you do have a fair amount of power knowing what's coming ahead. And certainly if you wanted to make your livelihood and stay in the past, you could do stock type things and and be rich as long as you kept a relatively low profile, which would be nice. You know, I I guess if I were going to time travel, I probably would like to go ahead in time as opposed to going back in time. Because even though I think it would be interesting and and I love reading history, I kind of feel like I have a sense of what was there before. And there are a lot of negative things about earlier times that, honestly, I don't think I'd be all that comfortable with the way women were treated and, you know, all different kinds of things. I think think I'm too modern a personality. I would find it difficult to go back in time and just observe. I think things would sort of grate on me. But going ahead in time, I think it would be really interesting to go ahead 100 years or 200 years from now and see... Um, you know, if diseases have been cured and do people still look the same or act the same or I don't know, all these, these kind of things. But, um, but I think you'd ha- I'd have to be probably a braver, a braver person than I am. Um, just going back to the book for a second, did you like the character of Simon? Did you like the character of Julia? Did you like the character of Kate? Did you feel that the author developed their personalities enough that you got to know them? Um, what what did you think of the main characters? Well, I liked them all. Um, I thought Cy was pretty quick to find a new girlfriend as soon as he got in the past, but, you know, you can't block love at first sight, apparently. The only thing I didn't like that Cy did is at one point he insisted that Julia wear high heels because he liked them, not because she found them comfortable. But, you know, that's kind of a product of the time the book was written. Yeah, I like the uh, I like the main characters good. I also like that 
I can't remember the guy's name, but the but the one that kind of recruited him in. He, he was he was an interesting character, uh, uh, and uh, uh, yeah, I, I'd forgotten that about the high heels. Good point. That 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 was a that that was a bit uh, 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 well misogynistic, maybe, but uh, d- definitely not uh, uh, not not up to current day standards when it comes to. Uh, uh, men and women's relations, but uh, 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 but I, I did like Cy. I thought I thought he was he was he was very well done, and uh, I liked I liked Julia a lot as well. I wanted to agree with what Alan said, and to mention um, to comment on Michelle's idea about going into the future. I agree with her in the sense that it might be fun to jump fifty, then a hundred. But I don't know about 500 years, because that would be like going from now, you know, back to Anne Boleyn's day. I mean, think how different, God, we could go to a world that's so alien, you'd get killed. I just wonder, though, in 50 years, what things will be like. It's true, actually. I think the older I get, sort of the more I realize that that time is passing and how little time I actually have. And, you know, I didn't think like this when I was younger. I guess I just thought I was invincible, but I certainly don't feel that way anymore. And you do kind of feel like, you know, at a certain point, all these things are going to go on and maybe you're not going to be there anymore. So I do see the appeal of going ahead in the future. Like David said, maybe not 500 years in the future, but a little bit into the future and maybe, you know, see how your younger relatives end up and and all kinds of things like that. I think that would be kind of interesting. Well, one of the things that Alan was talking about that, you know, you think about this stuff too much and it obviously isn't a real possibility but one of the things in this book at the end you know he prevented basically prevented the time travel program from happening so given that he did that then i would half expect him to just poof and disappear from the past and be back in the present because that program never existed but because they were using hypnosis to transport these people around rather than some scientific little machine or something like that then you're allowed to let him stay in the past because hypnosis that wouldn't have been reversed in any case you could make your head explode thinking about this too much but i found that a really interesting uh thing to ponder well when i read the annotation for the sequel it looks like the program has continued so i guess we could all read the sequel and see how how it how it continued and um, are there other time travel novels that any of you have read that you that you would recommend? Oh, I, I don't have an answer to that. Uh, but uh, to go along with what Sherry was saying, yeah, you, you you can drive yourself crazy with these time paradox situations and stuff if you if you try to figure this stuff out. Uh, and and just to bring movies into it, you know the. Uh, there was a movie several years ago with uh, Christopher Reeve and Jane Seymour called Somewhere in Time that kind of it kind of did the same kind of thing with doing this mental uh, thinking about going back in time and and doing it uh, uh, and transporting yourself back just just uh, th- th- through a mental exercise. And I know Christopher Reeve does that and that he uh, at some point he he pulls a coin out of his pocket and looks at it and you know, it's dated in the future and. And bingo, he's he's back in in, in present day, but uh, uh, I'm trying to think of other other books I've read with time travel. I, I've not read anything else recently. Uh, uh, I mean, eleven twenty two sixty three. You know, the, the Stephen King uh, book ha- has a time travel aspect to it, and, and it was it was very well done. Uh, but uh, yeah. Stephen King's eleven twenty two sixty three spoiled me. I haven't enjoyed. I haven't been able to get into a King book after that. Drat. And as far as time travels, Mark Apple A P P E L has written several. The only one I can remember now is Twice Upon a Time. The character in the book has the ability through some genetic quirk to 
throw himself back in time. And so you see him in the Russian Revolution during World War II. And I can't remember, but I think the other one was in 1876. He attends the Centennial Exposition in Philadelphia. You could write a, almost write a master's thesis on time travel mechanisms in modern, in 20th and 21st century fiction. And of course, there is that romance subgenre, time travel romance, where the heroine is always being thrown back in time. And you, I like to see how the author is going to do it the device they use to throw the person back in time. Um, um, there's there's a time traveler's wife. I think that's a, uh, what the book, and that is an awesome, awesome book. Um, wouldn't it be kind of cool to just imagine yourself in time and you're there? Because that's kind of what he did. I don't know if I believe in hypnosis either, Michelle. I think you said that. and I, don't, I just, I don't know. I don't know if I really believe in all that. Um, I'm not saying that it can't happen. I'm not, you know, if someone believes it, that's fine. But I don't know if I believe in all that. But wouldn't it be cool if you could do that? I mean, all of a sudden, you're right here in 2016, and all of a sudden, you're way back in 1916 or something. I was like, whoa, <laughs> that'd be a trip. Um, oh, don't you hate when you have something to say and you forget what you're going to say? I did. I, If I remember, I'll come back. Yeah, that happens to me all the time, Leela. I was going to mention The Time Traveler's Wife, too. That was a wonderful, wonderful book. And that had an interesting twist in that the hero has a disease. I forget what they called the chrono-something disease where he can't help it. He goes back in time unexpectedly and bounces around different times and stuff. And that was a really interesting twist on the usual time travel tales. The other ones that I've really liked that come to mind right now are by Paula Anderson, the time patrol. And there's another one too. And that's about a guy whose job it is to fix problems that have been caused by rogue time travelers. And it's really, really heavy on history. He goes back to Roman times and different things like that to fix things. And that was pretty interesting too, to see what these rogues rogue time travelers have done to mess things up and how he fixes it. Um, so yeah, the only other book I can think of or that I've read in the not-too-distant past, and I can't think of the name of it. I can tell you what it's about, but it's, 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 a, it's a romance kind of thing, and it's the woman that goes back. She's like a nurse in England in present day, and she goes back to, like, to Scotland, like in the, maybe the 18th century, and falls for a, 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 one of the Scots guys back during that time period. I mean, and they've made a bunch of, I think they've made a TV series out of it. I can't think of it for the life of me who wrote it or whatever, but there, I know there's several books in the series, and uh, it seems like the guy that she falls for his name's Jamie, maybe, back in the past, but uh, yeah, I apologize. I can't remember anything else about it. Oh, would you be referring to Miss Diana Gabaldon's series, Outlander? It has Outlander, Dragonfly and Amber, Voyager, Drums of August, um, The Fiery Cross, Something About Snow, Blood on, I forget, and Echo in the Blood. I don't know. There are too many of them. She needs to tie it up. Each one is the size of a telephone book. Most people that I've spoken to, especially women, adore the series. It's not bad, but it's too long. I'm getting lost. And the other book, uh, Sherry, you were talking about, I think, is The Shield of Time by Paul Anderson. I think it's a collection, maybe. I think one's a novel and one's a collection of short stories, and I read them both like you. It was fun for the history, what he does with history. You know, of course he did that in, I think, uh, something, A Boat of a Million Years, where some people live thousands of years so you get to see the history i guess paul anderson and dancer from atlantis i guess powell likes history too but outlander just goes forever and ever she really needs to tie that up i love books that go in series and stuff like that but i don't like it when it gets to like 20 books and stuff like that and i know of a series that's really good that i'm thinking of reading again i haven't read the whole thing because it goes for a long time but it's not time travel it's a different um i was thinking of the stephen king book that i agree with you good that i uh, my husband and i read that together and i am not <clears throat> too much a fan of stephen king because he's very foul um and i don't like that um but it, there are two Stephen King books that I, I have read many, many of them. Uh, 
but two of them that I like. And one of them is the Time Traveler book, and the other one is the, um, oh, what is it called? Uh, Dragon's Eyes, I think it's called, or something like that. Anyway, uh, also there's Connie Willis, and I haven't read too many of her books, but the one I read that will always stick with me because it is, it got into some explicit details about the about the plague, and that's just... Ooh, it was sad, but it was it was her doomsday book, and honestly, I would I would um, that is a really good book. I don't think that I could read read that again, but I might. But I think that if you know anybody who likes time travel, I think that they would like it because it really goes into some great detail. I was going to mention that Connie Willis book too, Leela, the Doomsday book. That was really excellent about the plague years. She wrote another two books that were together, and they were about the Blitz in London during World War II. I didn't think those were quite as good, but I did like the Doomsday book. Yes, David, thank you. It's the Diana Gabaldon book, Outlander, that I was trying to think of. And you're exactly right. I think... Outlander was the one that I read, and I think it was like 30-plus hours, and I just, as much as I like time travel books, I thought, eh, well, I think she's covered about everything in that in that first one, I thought, and I I didn't ever read any of the other ones, because it, t- it took me a while to get through that first one, but uh, yeah, I, I know it's a popular series. Yeah, I started that and couldn't even get through the first one. I thought the romance stuff was way overdone and i think right at the beginning of the book there's a rape scene and she gets rescued from this rape and it's just like oh I, you know i really don't want to read this so i don't think i regret skipping those i only care for those because i like seeing the 18th century through claire that's who the lady is she's from world war Two, and then it jumps to 1969 in the second one and 30 something hours that's nothing alan one of the later books was over 60 but she really, 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 really needs to tie that. I don't know how she published a first book that was over 30 hours. That breaks every rule of a first writer. She's a Ph.D., by the way, and it's something like environmental, you know, quantitative ecology or something. She's obviously a smart woman, but it's like, come on, woman, you need to tie this up now. You know, the, the books just go on forever. Each book is on average 45 hours long, and there are at least eight of them. I suspect as long as the money keeps coming in, she's not really interested in tying anything up. I suspect that's true. Well, all these books we've mentioned, how do you guys think this time and again we just read compares to, like, the Stephen King book, for instance? I'd have a hard time picking which one of those two I like the best. Well, the 11.22.63 is the only Stephen King book I have ever read. I know everybody loves him, but he does horrific violence there were a couple of scenes in 11 63 that i just thought i was I, I i was like horrified absolutely horrified and i do not i do not do well reading violence and his violence i thought was pretty bad other than that i thought that was a tremendously good book i mean he's really good at setting the time of the late 50s early 60s i really felt like i was there his character development is really good everything was really good and i can see why he's he's such a popular writer because he really can write well um i personally between this book and 112263 i actually think 112263 is is a better book um i i think the appeal of um, of this book to a lot of people, I think, is all the historical aspects of it that it takes you back to like the 1880s New York City, and um, and I think that was for a lot of people that was the, the strong appeal. But I actually thought the Stephen King book was a was a better written book. Um, I, I that's it's almost like comparing apples and oranges because they're they're different times and they both. Um, did well on the on the characters of the times. I, I could remember so much of Stephen King's, um, you know, the hamburger stands and the just the, the, we used to have hamburgers that that would be dripping with butter. It would drip down your face. It was just so things were different. Um, I thought that was excellent. Um, and I think the Stephen and the um, Finney, I read the first time in 1970, and uh, thought it was incredible. So I, I I don't know. It's it's kind of um. 
I like them both a lot. Yeah, I, I'm with Mickey. It's kind of like apples and oranges. I think they both do an excellent job doing what they're trying to do. I mean, the thing I liked about 112263, I mean, I, I you know, I, I was alive, you know, uh, I was a kid, but I mean, I was alive back then. So he's covering times that, that I actually lived. So uh, I've really enjoyed the way he presented it again. Uh, so, I mean, obviously I wasn't alive in the 1880s, but I thoroughly enjoyed the way Finney drew that picture for me of what New York was like back then. So, uh, yeah, the, 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 they're both different, and they both they both do a very good job of, of presenting their stories. Uh, and I, mean, I love Stephen King. I mean, he he does have he can he can be violent and stuff, but the uh, the, the man's a great writer. And uh, that uh, that Mr. Mercedes trilogy that he's done recently was just outstanding. So, but I digress. Sorry. I agree. It's like apples and oranges. I like them for different reasons. The well-documented historical research that obviously went into Jack Finney's book is laudable. King's 1122-63 is amazing. I wasn't quite around yet, but it, it's the way it creates an America with almost within my reach, a, a simpler in some ways, more trusting America in some ways. And it just had a haunting quality. But I also agree with Michelle. He's incredibly, almost unnecessarily violent. I read Under the Dome, and that is the last thing I have read by him. Because that Mr. Mercedes thing, I just don't know if I want to go there. Or that Dr. Sleep, I just don't know if I want to go there. Some of his stuff is just, ugh. I just don't know what happened. I know when he had that bad accident in 1999, he said he thought he might never write again. He didn't think he had any inspiration. But obviously his inspiration came back. Well, has anyone read the sequel to this time and again? And if so, can you tell us a little bit about it? Was it as good as this one? Without spoiling the plot, of course. Well, just going back to 112263 for a second, I think what I liked about that book a lot was I think he's a much more subtle writer than Jack Finney um, because there was that whole undercurrent in the story of... Yes, you know, people go, oh, it's the good old days and things were simpler and whatever. But he showed you that, yeah, they were simpler, but people were racist and they were homophobic and they were anti-Semitic. And he showed all that in the story in a really, really effective way. So that, that I, I really like that because a lot of times when people talk about the 50s, it's like, oh, things were so wonderful. But, you know, I don't, I, I wasn't around then. But I don't personally think things for a lot of people were so wonderful. And that was the part of the story that really, really stayed with me. Um, I'm just going to very quickly mention, because I know we're coming up upon the hour, um, our next book. Um, The next time that we're meeting is Thursday, September 1st. So it's the very, very first day in September. Um, It's right before the holiday weekend, so I I hope somebody besides me shows up. But um, the book that we're going to be reading is also an older book. Um, Usually we we do read a lot of very contemporary books, um, so it just so happens that this book and the book that we read this month and next month are, are older. They're not incredibly old, but they're older books. Um, this book was written in 1985. It's actually a contemporary classic novel, and if you haven't read it, I, I so highly recommend that you read it. Um, I read it a couple of months ago. I had read it when it came out, and I read it again a couple of months ago, and then I read it again <laughs> recently. It's not very long. It's 8 hours, 36 minutes. It's called In Country, um, and the author is Bobby Ann Mason. Bobby is B-O-B-B-I-E, Ann Mason. Um, She's a really, really good writer. This is actually her first novel. I'm going to just read the Bard annotation, which sometimes are not good, but this one's pretty good. Um, It says, Teenage Samantha, whose father was killed in the Vietnam War before she was born, lives with her eccentric Uncle Emmett in a small Kentucky town. Sam is obsessed with the war and attempts to learn everything she can about it through her father's letters and diaries and through Emmett, who also fought in the Vietnam fought in Vietnam and never recovered emotionally. Um, so I'm just going to say two fast things and I'll, then I'll stop talking. Um, the first thing is one of the things that really struck me when I read this novel is this this took place in in that time, but it was written in 1985, and it's so clear 
the effect that the Internet has on people now. When you read this book, it really takes you back to a time when people actually had to talk to each other in person or in the telephone to find out information. And I thought that was just so, so well done in the story. Um, and the other thing is there's a movie that came out about this, um, which stars Bruce Willis, who's like a famous actor, and he plays Emmett. And I saw the movie recently, and it's so different than the book. The ending is different. Everything's different. Um, And it was one of the examples where, many examples where the book is better than the movie. It was very clear here. So anyway, um, the DP number is 24790, and it's read by Jack Fox, who's an excellent reader. Yeah, I'll just agree with what Michelle said about uh, uh, times being what they were. Yeah, there were some things that were better back in the past, but uh, there were a lot of things that were a lot worse. And uh, I'm going to borrow a a line from uh, the Hamilton musical, which I I dearly love. Uh, Look around, look around at how lucky we are to be alive right now. So uh, that's a good way to to approach all this stuff with with time but i did like the way that that stephen king uh kept talking about time being obdurate in uh 11 2263 and how the, the guy kept trying to change stuff and and, and time didn't want to be changed so it, it, it was tough i thought that was that was very well done in, in uh in that book I, th- I think what i meant about stephen king and the time being maybe simpler was just that it sounded like people weren't as distrustful yet of everybody. Like if you went in and wanted to open a bank account, you didn't have to show 57 pieces of documentation. Nobody thought you were a terrorist. Of course, in some ways, it was not good. It was not good for African Americans, and I don't think it was great for blind people. I will say about the book In Country, I recall reading it not well, though, but it was a very good book, very um, emotional. The girl certainly grew up rather fast. I think... It has appeal to both senior high and older readers, and I think everyone will like it. I'll have to reread it. I um, I, I really liked, I, as far as as which which time was better. They all have their pros and cons. Nothing is perfect. We just aren't going to get it. Um, we we have um, various. Um, things going on in every part and it, everybody thinks at that time that it's critical for example uh, the coming up election and you know who's going to care in a hundred years I hope um, but Stephen King I like because he's gritty and he's realistic and there may be something loose in me, but I like the way he does his violence. I I don't mean that I like violence. I'm a very nonviolent person, but it's fun to read about it and imagine. Well, I kind of also, in that book, like the aspect of what would happen if you did something to change history, and it turned out, in this case, that it didn't work out so well. Well, I put the next book up in the chat window if anyone wants to um, cut and paste it. Meanwhile, if anyone wants to announce what their upcoming book club books are, Mickey and Alan, uh, for instance, and Don? Yeah, all, all the history group were reading a book uh, about the wife of uh, John Quincy Adams, of all things. She was born in England. She was a European more than she was an American in many ways, quite different than the puritanical, her puritanical husband. But uh, it makes for a very interesting story of how she adapted in her, her uh, I, I like the, I guess there's a whole book on it, her ride after the Napoleonic Wars from Moscow to Paris with her and her son alone. It was very hazardous because you had these armies, disbanded armies on the loose there. And it was quite a story. Yeah, I'm so glad that I read your um, Newswire, Don, because there's this book that's been sitting on my stream forever called Mrs. Adams in Winter by Michael O'Brien, which is on Bard, and it's exactly about that. 
and I've been meaning to read it and meaning to read it. But then when I read your Newswire, I was like, oh, my God, it's in the Louisa book. I don't have to read both books. So <laughs> I think it would be a little repetitive. So I'm glad that I caught that, and I'm really, really looking forward. I started the, the Louisa book a while ago, and I put it aside because I thought maybe you might pick it for the history group. And I'm glad that I did because it's, it's, it was very good in the beginning. It was really calling me. But I said, well, let's wait and see if he picks it. So I think it's going to be an excellent read. And I'm having a, uh, a very mind like a sieve mental moment. I cannot remember the uh, book that we're that we're talking about in uh, Worlds of Books later this month. Uh, it's by that historian Diana something or other. She was on Colbert the other night. I can tell you that. But I can't think of her name. I can't think of the name of the book. Sorry, Mickey, help me out. I would if I could, but I wasn't there. You know, actually, I can help you out because now that you mention it, I think I'm the one that recommended it. It's called Wait Till Next Year by Doris Kearns Goodwin. And I just reread it, and I thought it was an awesome memoir. It's just so, it's just really good. That's exactly right, Doris Kearns Goodwin. Yeah, wait till next year. Thank you, Sherry. You did recommend it. And, Mickey, I think I did email you the information about it, so I'm not taking that as an excuse. But uh, your memory's uh, uh, no worse than mine. Has anybody read that book for Novel Ideas yet um, by Jody Pico? Yeah, I just finished it, um, and I thought it was really, really good. I tend to like Jody Pico books, and it was very suspenseful. I do not like Jody Pico. All of the books end in a very sad way. Uh, All of her books are how some child or some member of the family can destroy the whole family. And I don't choose to be depressed. I just read it, and uh, this one has to be the exception to all of her books ending badly. uh, I I thought this one was... uh, was well done, and uh, I thought the ending was 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 good too. I agree with, and I don't remember her name. I'm sorry. Um, the one who said, "I'm sorry," the person who said that she doesn't like the endings. Oh my gosh! I thought I was the only one who didn't. I, <laughs> I'm sorry. I haven't read a lot of her books, but what I have read. One of them I finished, the other one I just could not. I I am really, usually I'm not very picky about books. Usually I can just dive in and say, okay, I like this book, or all right, I really didn't like this book, or, you know, oh, well. But her, I don't like her. I just, you, they're sad. It's sad. It's just sad. Very sad. Well, Salem Falls is is, is good, and uh, other than having a character that's got to be one of the most unluckiest guys in the world, uh, the, the, the ending is, is is not sad and it's not bad, in my opinion. But um, I I don't want to give it away, Alan. But did you? Well, we can maybe talk on the email list. But I, I thought the absolute ending, like the last sentence of the book, was pretty unpleasant. But um, yeah, overall. I tend not to like her endings either. I, I, she keeps you going. She keeps your interest going until the very end, and then there you are. You're dropped. You know, if a kid falls through the ice, or this happens, or that happens, it's a tragedy. And and usually, I mean, the endings are just and and the families are all. They they almost make you feel guilty for having any disability because apparently disabilities ruin whole families. And it, it just it just is more than I can handle right now. Yeah, Sherry, uh, 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 I, I agree that, that that was horrific at the end. But I, but I had that guy kind of pegged uh, in my mind uh, as as being one of those types already. So uh, I, I wasn't surprised when I, the only thing that surprised me was they didn't bring that out earlier in the book and stuff because I, I thought uh, I thought her dad was. Uh, uh, I, I thought that was the case. 
Well, I've actually never read Jodi Pico. I mean, I've heard of her, and I know, I think it's My Sister's Keeper. It's probably like the book that everybody always talks about. So I don't know. I'm on the fence on this one. I'll see. <laughs> maybe I'll try it. Maybe I won't. But I did want to thank everybody for coming this evening. It was a really good discussion, and I hope that you'll consider reading uh, In Country um, for September 1st. And also, I just wanted to say, Jill, it's, it's very nice that you're back with us, and I hope that uh, I hope that you're feeling well and that you'll, you know, be back with us again, uh, you know, next month as well. Yeah, Alan, I agree. I, I saw that coming, too. It wasn't a surprise. Um, if anyone wants a Jody Pico book that's a little different, I thought the storyteller was excellent. It's about a woman who meets a Nazi in the bakery she works in, and she has to decide whether to turn him in or not and it goes through the back history and that one had a surprising ending but not a totally unpleasant ending but of course when you have any book that has nazis in it you're going to have a lot of unpleasantness along the way too and i second michelle thank you everybody for coming this was a good discussion yeah thanks for everybody's comments was was jill here tonight i didn't actually ever hear her she was here but i don't know if she didn't read the book or didn't have anything to say about it um we talked she's gone now but when she first came on earlier, probably it must have been before you got here, we all welcomed her back. And she said she had been out of commission for a while, but she was back now. Okay, great. Yeah, yeah I was, I, 